When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well met fellow adventurers, so I'm back in Trithic, I'm in my residence in Twinned Keep. I've just stored a few things that I don't need anymore, and sold off a lot of stuff that I will never need. So now I'm prepared to visit Fane Poland and find out what he needs me for. Alright. Fane Poland rises from behind his lock behind a long cluttered table and greets you with a shoulder cross as you step into the chamber. He then offers you a mug of strong spirits and a seat beside the fire. You graciously accept the offer and take a seat next to the crackling fire. Fane Poland has a matter he wishes to discuss for you. Please select Adventures for this location below to find out what it is. Okay, I will. This advent- the adventure coming up is A Message in Migsprill. I'd we'll ask a favour of you, friends, says Dane Bowend, as he strokes the embers of the fire with an ornate iron poker. I have a message that needs to be delivered safely to an operative. I have in a place upriver in the town of Migsprill. I fear that its delivery may involve a considerable degree of danger. It's a message of great importance that must be delivered in haste. And at all cost. Bark on this adventure. I would ask a favour of you, friends, says Thane Poland, as he strokes the embers of the fire with an innate iron poker. I have a message that needs to be delivered safely to an operative I have in place up the river in the town of Bigsville. Do not think to insult you by act by using you as a courier, so I fear the delivery of this message may involve. A considerable degree of danger. It's a message of great importance that must be delivered in haste and at all cost. The vein pauses and looks at you intently, as if to gorge your reaction to what he just said. He then stands and begins pacing in front of the fireplace as he fills you in on the details surrounding the matter. Yearn for the past year, Thane Poland has had weather regular correspondence with a secretive agent he has placed in the town of Migsprawl. While he does not relate to you, to you the nature of the agent's task, he assures you it is one of grave importance to the kingdom. One of the thane's most trusted couriers has successfully borne many letters to and from Witherport to the north since the secret operation began. As you soon learn, all that recently changed. Two weeks ago, I sent my courier, a man by the name of Ch- Jan Tiddlenor to Migsprill with a message stating that a very important message will be following in the coming week. 
and he'd assured to my officer that the mission had not been compromised before I'd risk sending the important message. Jand has not returned. Suspect at once that he has met with foul play either in the Witherport or on the lonely woes between here and there. This note, left only yesterday at the gate by an anonymous courier, confirms my suspicions. Dame Pollen draws a weathered piece of parchment from his pocket and hands it to you. You carefully read the message inked onto the parchment. Dame Pollen just handed to you, reads as follows. A cover has been compromised. Jand is dead. I've escaped them for now. You will know where to send word to me. Should you have acquired the message, I implore you to send it at once. Take all possible precautions to ensure a safe arrival. We may not have another chance. Blue Cape is on the move. I will race at the usual spot as long as I can. Send Zoop if at all possible. As you sit and ponder the meaning of the hastily scribed note, the Thane continues to lay out the situation for you. Thane Poland tells you that it was agreed upon at the outset that should trouble before the mission, his agent in Migsborough was to seek safety at an inn known as the Five Knots, located near the wharfs. The innkeeper is an old friend. He knows nothing of this business, but he can be trusted. His name is Fretted One-Eye. My agent has made it to the safety of his inn. I trust that all is well. Message from me is eagerly awaited there. Thane Poland turns to you and places a hand in your pocket. He draws another piece of parchment from his pocket. You note that it is bound into a square by a single length of thick string. I need you to deliver this message to my operative in Mixbrook. There is no one else... I would entrust its delivery to Zoop. And as you can plainly see from the correspondence left date, you have been specifically requested. How my agent came to know you, or you're involved with me, I cannot fathom. Who now is hardly the time for such questions. Well, well, he, know, he must have known I won the tournament, and he knew what the tournament was for. I mean, it's not really much of a stretch to say the Thane will have the greatest hero around in his employ, or at least on his contact lists. When you tell the Thane that you accept the mission, he smiles and hands you a piece of bound parchment. Let's look at it. Thane Poland has entrusted you to deliver this piece of bound, bound parchment to his operative in the town of Migsbrook. The sheet of parchment is blank, but the Thane says his agent will know what to do with it. Alright, it's probably invisible ink. Or some magical version of it. Or maybe the secret isn't on the parchment, it is the parchment. Or maybe it's Maybe the parchment's extra thick and you can, like, peel, put it apart to reveal the true message. I don't know. Lots of stuff you could do. Yes. Codes and... Codes and secrets. Spy business. Very exciting. Although it gets quite confusing as well. 
Nathane stresses that the message he has given to you must be delivered safely to his agent, who he believes to be waiting in the Five Knots Inn near the wharfs in Mixville. You suddenly realise he's not told you anything about his operative. You're not certain how you know you are to look for. When he raises the operative question, Nathane nods grimly. My operative is quite perceptive, he says, and will no doubt know you upon sight. To tell you more about the agent before you deliver it may unnecessarily endanger all we have worked so hard to put in place. I trust you, Duke, yet I cannot on good conscience relate to you anything about my operative, for my honour I have sworn sworn to secrecy of this affair. On that sense, however, what I sense, however, two of you may not be strangers to each other after all. The Thane's explanation seems plausible, give him an understanding nod. Then it is set, he says, meeting you in a shoulder cross as you rise from your seat by the fire. You must leave tomorrow at the break of dawn. I shall arrange for a coach to bear you to Mixville with all possible haste. Quarters will be drawn up for you here tonight. I suggest that you get your rest, for I sense you may need it for the road ahead. As night passes swiftly, you rise an hour before dawn to your spacious accommodations in Twin Keep. A small but filling breakfast is brought to you by one of the Thane's servants. Just as you have finished your, your meal, the door opens, and Thane Poen steps into the chamber. And to a small pouch containing several sized dried leaves. Do you recognise to be Quebec leaves? What are Quebec leaves? The Quebec plant is a small thorny bush, leaves of which have remarkable healing properties once dried. The plant is not all that common, encountered here and there in the forests of northern Swift. Well, you can make it common, or maybe it's one of those things that just for some weird for some strange reason, is resistant to domestication. I assume that. That's probably why you can't just get... You, you can't just find vials of crepe elixirs in every, in every apothecary in the realm. Yeah. yeah I, I can imagine it. I mean, there are some plants that just, for some various reasons, don't take well to being farmed. And we don't know why. Maybe it requires a very specific and rare insect to pollinate it. Maybe it's got some... Maybe it's very, very picky of the conditions it needs. Maybe there's some sort of fungus that it's, it's symbiotic with, which is even more picky. Who knows? Yeah, I'm going to assume that. I assume that the Capate Bank, for various reasons cannot be domesticated, or at least can't be domesticated with the level of technology they have, they yet have. Okay, so I've got four of them. Yep, I've got my Kepek leaf. You may need them before you reach the end of your road, he says. I've arranged passage for your border coach that will depart from Elder Rock, Oak Lane. Driver, man by Pergin, has instructions from me, but no knowledge of your true mission. You can trust him, Zoop, but no one else. You bid Thane Poen to farewell, and leave the grounds of Twin Keep, headed for Elderwalk Oak Lane, and the coach that will bear you to Mixville. 
As you make your way through the deserted early morning streets of Trithic, you can't help but think there is more to this business than has been made clear to you. As you near the end of Odor Oak Lane, passing along the narrow thoroughfare that is Black Moss Road, you suddenly become aware of the sound of footsteps on the streets behind you. You glance over your shoulder, with much to your surprise, the street is empty, it's empty in your wake. As your eyes turn to the street in front of you, a brown blur sweeping towards your head is the only glimpse you catch of a stealthy attack. So, picking a number. It's presumably dodge. Bonus of 47, 20 from agility, 10 from luck, and 17 from unarmed combat. Picking now, 70. The heavy wooden object strikes the side of your head with tremendous force, doubling your vision and sends you sprawling to the ground. Oh no. It's 12 stamina points lost, which I'll heal right now. <laughs> yeah, you should have hit harder than that. You sagger to your feet and turn to face your unknown assailant. Staggering in the street, barely ten feet from you, are four masked individuals. Three men and a woman. The foremost of these masked individuals, a tall, lanky man, holds a stout wooden cudgel, the very mid-wisdom with no doubt sought to end your life. Not very sporting of me, eh? He stickers. His screwed green eyes visible through tiny slits in the blue cloth mask that covers its face. Pull along now, you good lad, and you might just keep yourself alive. I think you have something that belongs to us, Soup. The use of your name by this masked man sends a chill the length of your spine. Look, you're famous. It's not really that surprising. Whatever, whoever these mass individuals are, they must be seeking the message that Thane Poland has entrusted you to deliver. You're quite dismayed that your mission appears to be compromised at such an early stage. The four masked figures, figures stare at you expectantly. Now, I could hand over the message, but I have been entrusted this message by, by Thane Poland himself. So obviously I'm going to refuse to hand it over. The masked man's eyes narrow upon your refusal. Three individuals immediately behind him step forward, each brandishing a long curved knife. Their eyes, like those of their apparent masked leader, are coldly fixed on you through narrow slits in the cloth that covers their faces. Okay, I can flee, but that means... That means they'll just be able to report to whoever sent them, or if they're acting on their own initiative, track me and just ambush me again at some point, probably. No, no, I have to face them now. Now while I now while I know they're there and I know where they are, hold my ground and face them. Three of the master Salem step back and leave the group, his blue fringed cape. Stirring silently in the morning breeze that sweeps along the street, draws a long sword that levels the bl- and levels the blade at your chest. This is a game that does not concern you, he says, his voice somewhat muffled by the cloth mast covering his face. And we all know about that, don't we? You have been given the chance to save yourself, and you will now learn a rather painful sort of le- lesson. 
about interfering in affairs that do not welcome intrusion. With that, he leaps forward and slashes at you, brandishing his blade with the skill of a master swordsman. It's the blue caped assailant. And for some reason, I've got to roll at 18 or higher to slay him. Yeah, I think this is one of those fights you're not supposed to win. Okay, let's see. I'm going to use the power of destruction. Oh, he's, he's so strong. Oh, he resists it sometimes. Uh, uh, okay. Um, healing, 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 healing. Oh, he fled from combat. The blue caped mass man slashes you with his fire wreathed longsword. Oh, sorry, I didn't. Sorry, I was so distracted by using magic, I didn't read the text. Oh, well, you just have to play the game yourself. He has fled from combat. And hopefully. That means he's not going to be prying into our business anymore. Or it probably does mean he's just going to pry harder and more stealthily. But at least he knows now. Now there's... He's got to be more cautious. And hopefully... Hopefully be able to pry less deep. He has fled from combat. Oh, and I restore... Oh, I restore all my health. Well, I actually, I just... I only restore all my health because I did a lot of healing. You restore... Restore some health after every combat for reasons. Your blue-paped opponent ducks out of melee range, nursing the serious wounds you have dealt him. You're about to step forward, hoping he and his crew will take flight. When the sound of approaching footfalls from the far end of the lane signals the arrival of the city watch. The masked man orders his companions to flee, and they rush off in separate directions as the four guardsmen loom into view along the street. Before your blue cape enemy departs, however, issues you a stark warning. Honestly, I don't think that guy had anything to fear from any... I don't think this guy had anything to fear from the City Watch. Although I guess he just doesn't want it to be known. Yeah, that's probably right. I mean, you could probably take him out easy peasy, but one of them could escape and reveal he's there and everyone would be on the lookout for a guy in a blue cape. And he has to keep his cape on because it's, it's, cause it's a really nice cape. It's his, it's, it's his style. You can't just take off your... Your fancy blue cape, this cape, and your fancy blue mask. I mean, how would anyone know your blue cape? What is this warning, though? We shall meet again in a time and place more favourable for dealing with you as I should like, he says coldly. Do not cross the water if you value your life. With that, he turns and rushes along the street. Having no desire to face the approaching guardsmen, you duck into an alley and cut over to another street. The encounter with the four master assailants has greatly unnerved you. It would appear that your mission to the famed is not as secretive as he, or you, might have hoped, and you certainly have a bad feeling about this new unsettling development that bodes ill for his agent in Big Spring. You wonder 
what danger awaits you in the smaller wither port to the north, or along the roads that lead you, lead you to it as you once again set off to find Elderwalk Lane. You turn into Elderwalk Lane and have not gone far when you arrive at the coach station. It is little more than a small, squalid shack sandwiched between two dilapidated stone buildings. On the street in front of the station sits a coach drawn by four horses. To approach the coach, a thin, white-bearded man steps down from his seat and greets you with a curt nod. He introduces himself to Pergin and tells that he is at your service for the duration of your journey to Migsborough. I was told you would be here early, and so you are, he says rather gruffly. Don't know anything about Abidus, and don't care to either. Get you to Migsborough as fast as you'll carry you. Carriers. She packs the side of the coach Tedley and then opens the side door and urges you to enter with a wave of his hand. You've got the better part of two days before, as he says impatiently. You'd best be started right now. You take one last look around the street before stepping into the coach to begin the lengthy trip to Mugsbrook. The coach rattles along the uneven street. You can't help but wonder what the road between you and the two Witherports holds in store for you. The journey to Migsborough proves uneventful, and while you dare not relax your guard during the trip, hope time and time again the trouble you found on the streets of Trithic does not follow you to the even less savoury Witherport to its north. Now and again, during the journey, you unfurl the parchment given to you by Lethane and study it, half expecting at some point something might appear on its perfectly smooth, blank surface. Each time, however, you are dismayed to note that nothing has changed, and the message you are to deliver remains a mystery. Yep, there's some really high-level spycraft going on here. Pergrim proves to be good company on the long, tiresome trek. He spent a good long while conversing with on a broad range of topics, who never wants a conversation steering the direction of your mission, or what business awaits you in Nixborough. Nearly two days after setting out from Twithick, you arrive in Nixborough, Witherport that is home to the notorious and powerful Wither Guild. Pergrim tells you he will remain with the coach and feed heed and water the horses at a stable just inside the southern edge of the small city. My instructions are to wait for you, no matter how long, whatever it is you're up to takes, he says, fish finishing the fort with a pronounced wink. I don't think I'll I don't don't I don't think I'll wander off either. It's not likely this this fine team or this wagon would last long left on their own. You bid Pergrim farewell and tell him you hope to return soon. With that you set off to find the inn known as the Five Knots down by the piers. Migsbro is by and large a more wretched and unsavoury place than it's terrific. Despite an honest effort by the Wither Guild to clean up the town and bring law and order to the growing Witherport, the burgeoning, burgeoning city remains a haven for rampant disease, deadly crime and widespread appalling squalor. You've only just passed into the city's Witherfront district, when you find yourself accosted by a grimy, rather fearsome-looking white-bearded beggar, the scowling wretch 
thrusts a wooden bowl at you and angrily demands a gold token. Well, okay. Okay, now I now I've played I've played enough games to know giving gold to a beggar always gives you some valuable information. Plus, you know, being kind. Alright, give some gold to the beggar. You toss a gold token onto the beggar's dish, dish and he bows. And now, a word of advice, my fine lord, he croaks. To or strive for a cloven crown, he says. His voice, voice breaking at odd intervals, which relates to what seems to be a rambling collection of disparate words. Only one will have it, though. It may not be he you have known as a friend. You're about to ask the beggar what he means when, when he suddenly curses at you and lurches away along the street, leaving you puzzling over the meaning, if any, to his strange words. What, what, is it going to be civil war? I mean, that's... Usually, that when there's people who are striving... When you have two people striving for a crown, that's what happens. Unless, unless they can just keep the murders, you know, in the family. You have little difficulty finding the inn known as the Five Knots. Down alongside the harbour on Mixpool's teeming with a front. After carefully surveying the front of the dingy, half-hearted structure for several minutes, you move up and cautiously enter the inn. The common womb of the five knots is not crowded, and you count eight patrons seated at various dilapidated tables, scattered across the warped planks that make up the floor of this unsavoury den. You stride purposely into the womb and are promptly approached by a short, thin-faced man who bows and welcomes you to his establishment. Reasonably note the man who claims ownership of the inn has both his eyes, as opposed to the man Thane Powell mentions. You find your old friend and trusted ally, known as Frewid One-Eye. An uneasy feeling comes over you as you stare at the smiling man who bows before you for the second time. Something the matter, yes, as he comes up from the second bow. Okay, I'm going to use divination. I, have to I just have a feeling something's up. Succeeded. You not only sense the man Steiny finds you is nervous, but that you're in great danger here. Okay, I'm going to ask for third one. I mean, there's a chance it could be. It could be something, or that could that could cause them to step into the open and just you know fight me openly, which is how I prefer it really. Okay, asking for the guy. You quite you inquire about fluid lies. Met with an alarming pause, the man standing before you thinks for a minute and tells you that the fluid has recently taken ill and had to sell the inn. You do it, perhaps he says. Cold, cruel expression spread across his thin face. Have you come here seeking something, or seeking someone? Unnerved by his questions, his demeanour, and the whole scenario, you're about to turn and head for the door, when the sound of its closing from behind you licks a sinking feeling in the pit of your stomach. 
your heart skinks and your pulse begins to race when you turn to find the front door is closed and two of your in, of the in patron, patrons are standing in front of it. You spin round and discover, much to dismay again, the back door is also blocked by a pair of burly, glowering men. Innkeeper steps to the white and smiles crookedly. I hardly expected an agent of the Thames to step to Wedley step. To an obvious snare, he says. His leering grin, swiftly turning into a hideous snarl. You angrily demand to know what has become of the wheel innkeeper, for you make no mention of the agent you hope to find here. The man you're addressing shakes his head, before you can follow up your demand with the threat of thought. A nightmarish transformation comes over every last soul in the five knots. <gasps> You watch in horror as the innkeeper and the eight men now standing rapidly transform into Gugari. The nine white men, armed with an array of weaponry, move quickly to encircle you. Tear him down! barks the leader of the vicious pack. Who only moments ago posed as the innkeeper, two of the Gugari, wielding barbed flails, rush forward and attack. Stiping out at you with their deadly lashes. So you step back and assume a defensive posture, steering yourself to meet their savage assault. It's two flail wielding Kogari. Begin combat. Would it be ironic if they were using a cat? Oh, nine tails. <laughs> no, no, no. Probably not a good time to make jokes. <laughs> Two Gagari lash out at you with their barred flails. Ooh, a brutal stroke for 12 damage. But now they are slain. Two Gagari land in a heap. The two Gagari land in a heap at your, at your feet. And you've only just stepped back from the corpses when the map man who poses Yinkira steps forward and hurls forward forward and hurls a small vial of silver liquid at you so I can dodge or I can use fortification or telekinesis. I'll use telekinesis. Succeeded. 8 XP for telekinesis. You call upon your power of telekinesis and manage to guide the hurled vial of course, sending it into the far wall where it shatters one impact. A shower of silver liquid cascades down the wall. It runs harmlessly into the warped planks of the inn floor, thankful to have averted the dangerous attack, but where of the peril that surrounds you. You quickly assume a combat-ready stance. Three, three Kogari leap forward and attack, two of them stabbing at you with bone-hilted daggers, and their third striking out with a short sword. You dodge the initial assault and quickly launch a counter-attack, hoping the bold tactic will put the murderous Watman on the defensive. Three vicious Kogari. The three Kogari savagely attack you and lay a brutal stroke for seven damage. Yes, these are a lot easier than Blue Cape. Yes, yes he's probably the boss. Or maybe the, the dragon. You know, in the... In the the narrative sense. Don't think he's actually a dragon in disguise. 
You leap over the corpses of the three Kagai and immediately find yourself engaged with two more of the vicious Watmen. It's two sword-wielding Kagari. They slash at you with their swords. Ooh, brutal stroke for nine damage. Another brutal stroke for five damage. They are now slain. Five XP. With the two sword-wielding Kagaris lying bloodied at your feet, you step back and assume a defensive stance. The largest the vicious Watman strides towards you. A heavy battle axe slipped tightly in his clawed hands. The savage Kagari bares his teeth and snarls as the rodent warrior lunges at you, striping through her head with its deadly cleaver. It's an axe-wielding Kagari. And it's going to die too. Chops at you with its axe. Do we know it's it? Do we know he's a he? Hmm. Your enemy lays a particularly brutal stroke on you. I mean, if it was a rat man, it's kind of hard to tell whether they have a beard or not. <laughs> brutal stroke for 10 damage and is slain. 5 XP. The axe wielding man topples over and lands at your feet. His thick, Grey fur, slick with the blood of the many wounds, now whittling his torso. You turn to face the supposed innkeeper, or of the Kurari he became, only to find he's apparently fled during the battle and is now nowhere to be seen. You're about to begin a search of the fine lobes, hoping there is yet a chance to find the Thane's agent alive, when you suddenly spot a tall, thin figure in a brown cloak, Creeping through the back door of the inn, the figure, unmistakably human, flings open the door and flees out of the inn before you even had a chance to react. Okay, I've used divination to tell me where to go. Succeeded. You sense the person in the brown cloak is moving towards the front of the inn. Guided by your master divination, you quickly turn and sprint through the front door. You turn and dash out the front door and immediately spot a tall, thin man in a brown cloak emerging from the alley next to the inn. The man turns his head towards head before you can catch a glimpse of his face. It slips into the crowd, moving along the piers. A chorus of fearful shrieks suddenly rises up from the teeming fog and a broad plume of red flame shrieks into the sky as the crowd scatters. The fiery column rapidly dissipates, leaving in its wake only a charred mark on the broad stone walk that, e that edges the harbour. You step forward with several others and make a close examination of the score spot. There's little doubt that the man fleeing from you is used some sort of teleportation, a bite a mode you had never seen, to aid his escape. Smaden, having lost his ability to identify, even capture the cloaked man who made such a flamboyant escape, you return to the inn and begin a thorough search of the dilapidated structure, seeking any clue that might point you in the direction of the Thane's agent. A half dozen inhabitable the half dozen inhabitable wounds of the Watting Inn appear to have seen little or no recent use. Though you're passing out. As you're passing out of last of them, you catch sight of an odd-looking gap in the floorboards next to a mouldy straw mattress in the corner. The suspicion is validated when you discover that the two 
foot length of the brawn is loose and removable. You lift up the warp's plank and much to surprise, your eyes fall upon a small, leather-bound book lying in the hollow below. You reach down and retrieve the odd find. The small book contains quite a few pages, each of which is covered in a strange array of intricate symbols. Records at once the symbols would be some sort of coded language designed to prevent to prevent unwanted eyes from learning what is contained within the secretive volume. You wonder if the book has any collection to feign Thane's agent or or the very business that has brought you to Believing there's a good chance it does, you promptly stow, away, stow it away amongst your possessions. Okay, leather brown journal, view. This small leather brown journal is scripted in the complex code of symbols. It is obvious whoever this book belongs to wish to keep its contents a secret. After turning, there is nothing else of any interest to be found in the inn. You step out of the half-rotted hovel and prepare to make your way back to the coach that you hope is prepared to bear you, bear you away from this town. You make your way through the streets of Migsville, heading ever in the direction of the stables, where you hope to find the coach and pilgrim awaiting, awaiting your return. Now and again, you glance over your shoulder, half expecting to catch sight of the man in the brown cloak, slipping on the street behind you. While no such sighting ever takes place, you can't seem to shake the eerie feeling. You are being followed. You are being watched, and perhaps followed. Upon reaching the stables, you are most relieved to find Pilgrim and his team of mares eager to depart. Loyal driver does not acquire about the status of your business, but seems relieved when you announce that you are also ready to leave. Had a strange set of folks sniffing about a while back, he says, as you climb into the carriage in preparation for the trek back to Trithic. Most likely thieves. You can see what they could score off an unattended wagon. Mind you, this old stick gave, gave him over to thinking more more than once, once about it. Hogan twists about in his seat, where there's a crude but thick wooden cudgel in front of the window on your left to illustrate his words. You ask him if any of those he encountered wore masks, and he's taken aback by the question. Nope, no masks on that lot, though it might have done them a bit of good. We are on savoury bunch, as you might expect for this sort of space. For And for the kind of folk they were, and for the kind of folk they were, not to worry them, it wasn't about to let them make off with any, particularly not this old wagon. Your return trip to Swithick is thankfully both speedy and without incident. Less than two days after setting off on Migsborough, the walls of the Adderstone loom into view out of the bank of the early morning fog that's rolled off the wither. After only a brief stop at the main gates, the coach passes into the city and instructs the driver to make for Twin Keep. Weary, but eager to report the events in Migsville to the Fane, you bid the driver farewell at the gates of the keep and disembark. You're met at once by a pair of guardsmen, who immediately recognise you, and call at once for the gates to be opened. The l- a lone guard meets you just inside the gates, and ushers you into the keep's main tower, 
wherein lie the private chambers of fame Poland, the man you've come to know as both a trusted ally and a friend. As you step into the passage that will lead you into the door of the of the fane's quarters, the guardsman bids you farewell and leaves to return to his post. When he is gone, you turn and step hurriedly along the corridor. To disrupt the fane will make the news you return bearing. Within only a few paces of familiar door, and a sudden sound of two distinct voices from behind the thick wooden slab freezes you in mid-step. Not quite sure why. Not quite sure why you halt and listen as the voices continue. One of them is, is clearly that of the Thane himself, though the other is thin and wavering. Your heart skits a beat as you hear your name mentioned twice by the Thane. You also manage to hear the Thane say, has been sent to Migsville, and I'm very much in doubt of that. Suddenly, the voices fall silent and become aware of the sound of heavy footfalls moving up to the other side of the door. We quickly retreat several places along the wall. The door swings inward, and a tall, broad-shouldered figure of the Thane steps into the corridor. His eyes fall immediately upon you, and the look of surprise clouds his normally stoked demeanour. He seems to recover quickly, however, and greets you with a smile. You startle me, Zoo, he says, turning to look at the opposite end of the passage. Fret not over me, though. Come in at once and warm yourself by the fire. Assume you come bearing news from Migsville. You step into the Thane's chamber, ahead of the overlord, who promptly, who promptly closes the door behind himself. Your eyes search every, search every corner of the sizable cluttered room, but you can see no sign of anyone else. Thane Pollard bids you to take a seat by the fire, and tell him about your recent excursion. Will you give the Thane an account of what transpired in the inn known as the Fine Arts of Miskill? For reasons you can't quite put your finger on, you decide to leave out some of the details. You make no mention of the mass assailants who came upon you in the streets of Trithic at the onset of his journey, and you similarly leave out the appearance of the man in the brown cloak at the inn at Migsville, and his sudden and fiery disappearance. You also say nothing of the coded journal you discovered beneath the loose floorboards in one of the inn rooms. Kagari, says Thane Pollen as you conclude your narrative. I know only too well that their ilk is alive and well and terrific, which disturbs me to no small degree that has to be found elsewhere. I am thankful beyond all measure that you have returned here safely, Zoo. Thane rises and strokes the embers of, a near, of the nearby fire with an ornate iron poker. You're certain there was nothing else to report? He says suddenly, turning and looking at you inquisitively. His question and the somewhat suggestive tone of his voice catches you off guard, but you manage to retain your composure and shake your head resolutely. He smiles and nods in response. It is perhaps as I feared, he says putting down the poker and leaning against the carved mantel. I hope for a better word out of Zorkville, alas. See this now. There is now not much hope of one. Thane Poland asked you if you still possess the message he gave to you. He hand the bound piece of parchment to him, and he tucks it into his tunic. Seeing this is of little use now, he says gloomily. You will forgive my distant manner, he says, momentarily catching the phrase. 
gaze as I find myself at the centre of business now growing stranger and more sinister with every day that passes. I fear, however, I can relate very little of it, you at least not yet, for swiftly does it further, and so deeply does it run. You ask the Thane if the business he is speaking about directly involves the Thane he sent to find a mixed and the message he gives you gave you to deliver. He nods. She's very much she's involved in his affair, and perhaps as much as I as I yet find myself involved, he says. Perhaps no longer necessary to conceal seal the name of my agent for you. She certainly seems to know you. In fact, as you well know, she requested she requested you be the one to live for the message her in Mixable. Despite what has been said, Thame seems at least momentarily hesitant to reveal the name of his agent, as if anticipating an immediate inquiry, turns away, sighs, and that's the single word. It's a woman's name. A name you haven't heard in quite some time. We are. A flood of memories pour into your mind as you vividly recall the adventures you shared with the young spellcaster, the daughter of the old maid Jaffor, amidst the terrible events that transpired in and around the remote town of Crowistan. You at last sought the talented mage when you parted ways with her, and you in the ruins of Crowistan, following your defeat of Scarback the Slayer and his vile army of Tuzzle in the village of Scarford, Southleaf. Now, if you don't, if you haven't heard that story before, you, you can just scroll down a bit, and wherever you're hearing the podcasts, just look for Proving Grounds 1. I know only scant details of the affair you shared, shared it with her on the frontier, he says, turning and apparently noting your change of expression as the mention of her name. Someday, when it was time for it, you will have to tell you have to tell me all about it. You're about to ask Thane Porrand, which is suspect has happened to Oreo, when he suddenly addresses that very question. I have no doubt Oreo is alive, he says. He's telling one of supreme confidence. She's resourceful and powerful, and will take more than a handful of whack men to bring her down. I trust she will appear, reappear when it's safe for her to do so, and when it will no longer endanger her mission. You ask Dane Poland about Ferid Wonai, the owner of the inn known as Five Knots. He shakes his head slowly. I will see to it his disappearance is investigated, he says, which is doubtful he is still alive. The Kagawe have very little regard for human life, I'm afraid. It's likely as not, my old friend has come to a bad end in their hands. Hold out just the slightest hope he escapes Loria. At least we have that hope. However, faint. The Fane is silent for a few moments, and then places his hand on your shoulder. You've perhaps heard whispers about the battle now waging on the shores of Sangard Isle, he says, his eyes earnestly scouring your face. It will be only whispers, mind you. For sparse indeed is the word outside the king's innermost most inner court. You can you can of course trust me when I say the struggle to retake the island from the centuries of long laid claim to it is underway, and has been since late last autumn. Okay, what is Sangard Isle? Sangard Isle 
Wising out of the mist of the turbid, perilous waters of Sanspit is an island known as Sangarn. The large isle Sori Pass and its uncertain future make it a haven for adventure and danger. After abandoning the island two centuries ago, recent discoveries have again attracted the eye of the crown, and an attempt to establish Titian control of Sangarn is presently underway. However, the efforts have so far proven to be no small task, for numerous and savage are the foes of humanity that again stalk the hills and forests of the legendary isle. For nearly 300 years, following the discovery of gold, silver, gems and rich sources of stone on the island, Songard became the kingdom's chief source of such valuable commodities. The island was mined and quarried extensively, but for any activity, for any such activity could be could be done, a bloody war was waged on its shores. For time uncounted, the isle has been home to two large and savage tribes of trolls and goblins, the Kulog and the Nawanok, respectively. The names of these two fearsome clans, both of ancient Aldevioli, were given to them by the Tyson soldiers who engaged them when Sangard was first conquered 500 years ago. Kugalak translates to Heart of Wage, while Nawalok most medley translates to Bloodseer. The Kuglag, Trolls, and Nawalok, Goblins. Had, inhabit, had inhabited the island and been at war with one another since before the mighty cities of Tausa were even standing. The arrival of human invaders, however, brought the two tribes to an easy but necessary alliance. As they strove to push back the tide of humanity, that threatened to overrun forever changed the savage shores of Sangard, the only home they had ever known. The full might of the Tyson army eventually prevailed in a bloody and bleak war that lasted, and lasted nearly a decade. The alliance of Kulgrak and Nashrock was shattered as both tribes, their populations decimated by a long and brutal struggle, edged closer to extinction. The few remaining trolls and goblins fled to the northern half of the island, leaving their conquerors free to enjoy many. Through the many, through costly spoils of war. For 300 years following the war, Sangard Isle became the single largest source of gold, silver, gems, and stone within the kingdom. All of Tyson enjoyed the prosperity the conquest of Sangard had provided. When the mines ran dry and the quarries no longer yielded the stone the growing kingdom required, Sangard was abandoned, with only a few short with only a short few short years, the towns and settlements sprung up in the human-controlled southern region were deserted. The great keep that rose out of the island's southeast hills, which had for so long protected the settlers of Sangard, stood empty. With the collapse of the human settlements on the island, the remnants of the Kulglak and Narok tribes quickly spread out across the lands they formerly controlled. Sangard once again became a savage battleground, 
as the ancient war between the trolls and the goblins promptly resumed. When the last ship set sail from Skarnguard, it was decreed by the kings forbidden for anyone to ever set foot on the island. For 200 years, the island and the centuries of prosperity it gave birth to faded into the shadows of history. The discovery of a leather-bound journal, a little more than a year ago, however, changed everything. Because of the solitary passage, because of a solitary passage, an otherwise insignificant book, the decree was was lifted. An effort to to take to retake the island was immediately set into motion. Ooh, 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 ooh! What could they be doing on that island? It's not. I don't think it's just money. There are secrets on this island. A lot of secrets. And people are pursuing them. And they have secrets. And we have secrets. Everyone has secrets! Thane Poland slaps you on the shoulder and smiles. He steps back and folds his arms. Not all gloom and despair, though, he says. At least not yet. There's a matter. There is a matter with which I desire your help. There's a part I wish you to play in that which is unfolding on the aisle. A part that will be known only to me, I can assure you. That I would trust no one else with so delicate a matter. Not where so much is at stake. I hope when the time is right, I may call upon you to again honour me with your service. Thane Poem pours you some root wine. But you strangely find yourself unwilling to suspect, to accept his hospitable offer. You politely decline the drink, and he nods, seemingly unaffected by your refusal. Be ever at the wedding, friend, he says, as you prepare to depart, for I will surely be calling upon you in the coming days, perhaps sooner than I expect. And again, I thank you. He bid the thane farewell and step out of his chamber. He follows you out into the corridor and wishes you well. But his words have a hollow, unappealing ring to them. Trithic's overlord watches in silence as you move along the hall towards the stairs at the far end that will lead you down and out of the keep's main tower. As you step through the gates of Twinned Keep and onto the streets of Adderstone, which you dust, which are just now coming into life with the wise of the sun. You catch a weary glance over your shoulder at the stark silhouette of the tower you just left. There, high above the streets of Trithic, peering out across, spawning with a port like a pair of unblinking eyes, are the windows of the Thane's private chamber, the room you left only moments ago. Alright, that's 384 experience the general, and that continues that quest. Alright, I'm I'm in Trithic Gates. There's going to be a, he's going to have another quest for me soon. Probably something to do with that island. But that will be for next time. Until then, farewell, fellow adventurers.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.